0: Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2014 Toronto Gospel Truth Rally. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. You know, one of the things I want to do, what I want to minister on tonight, we've, we've been teaching on healing on my television programs recently, and boy, we had a lot of people come for prayer tonight. And of course, I wasn't able to get to every person. We, we prayed with some people, saw some great things happen, saw some people set free. But you know what, there was, I don't know, there was a hundred people that I wasn't able to get to. And then I had people as I walked over here saying that I need to talk to you after this is over. And uh, I know some of you may not understand this, and you may think it's terrible, but I have stayed in meetings like this and prayed with people till 2 and 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. I've had people leave and go get a meal and come back and get in the line, which I thought was a little unfair because I wasn't able to do that. And it's not that I mind praying for people, but I just cannot minister to every person. And you know what? We were singing this. The, the music group tonight sang, I believe you're my healer. And then it says, Jesus is all that I need. And we sing that, but a lot of people honestly think that you have to have somebody else with an anointing on their life to pray for you. And many people look just to individuals. And let me start by saying that God does have special anointings in the body of Christ. There are people that have a gift of miracles and the gift of healing. And uh, there are people that have a special anointing. And people do get healed through the anointing that's on other people. I acknowledge that that exists. But I believe that that is not the dominant way that God wants to meet our needs. And this is why the body of Christ... Uh, There are many people, I would imagine that the vast majority of people that are right here tonight believe in the miraculous power of God or you wouldn't be here. I don't know why you'd come hear me if you don't believe in the supernatural power of God. If this was just the nod to God crowd that goes on Sunday morning, you'd just wait until Sunday morning. You wouldn't be here on a Thursday night. Most of you believe in the supernatural power of God. I've seen people raised from the dead. You know, we were in the car today, and uh, out of three of us in the car, we've seen five people raised from the dead. Man, that was just awesome. And I talk about that, and did you know most people say, I believe that. Most people believe that God can do more than what they are experiencing. And one of the reasons for this disconnect, if you believe that God wants you well, if you believe that God wants to do miracles in your life, then why aren't you experiencing it? Why aren't you seeing it? And there's multiple reasons for it, but one of them is the fact that the body of Christ has been taught that there's only certain people that God really has anointed and flows through, and we have to run from person to person to receive. Some denominations preach that you know only the priest is the one that you have to go through to to pray to God and confess and do these kind of things and to a lesser degree other people will sit there and believe that there's certain people that are just anointed and so we run from meeting to meeting thinking that this person has to pray for us and i believe that even though that can happen here's the reason that god gave gifts to certain people to enable them to minister healing and things like this. And it's because God wants you to receive directly from His Word. He wants you, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. If you don't, we're going to give you an opportunity tonight to receive that, amen. And you won't have that excuse after tonight. But you have the power of God on the inside of you and you don't need somebody else to do things for you. But if the only way to receive from God was just to get hold of the truth, renew your mind, and begin to start operating in what the Word says, then what would happen to a person who comes here tonight and you may, maybe this is the first time you've ever come to the Lord. If you just got born again tonight and you only had a week to live, the doctor says you're going to die in a week. What would happen to that person if it's going to take a year or two years or three years for them to grow and renew their mind and get to a place to where the Word of God could work? People like that, see, would just be destined to die because they didn't have time to renew their mind. So because of that, God has anointed certain people and given them these supernatural gifts that enable them to pray for the sick and to pray for other problems and things like this, and you can get a miracle through somebody else's special gift. And I believe God did that to help people that were in a crisis situation when they come to the Lord or when they first start getting into the Word of God, and it's a help to them, but it was never meant to be the dominant way that people receive from God. And basically, the body of Christ only knows how to receive that way. They always are running to somebody else. And I'm, I'm sharing these things tonight because I can guarantee you I'm not going to be able to pray for every person in here and I don't need to pray for you. We were singing, Jesus is my healer. He's all that I need. I want to get you to l- recognize that the power of God that's on the inside of you is already sufficient to produce whatever miracle it is that you need. Man, that is a powerful statement right there. And the problem that a lot of people have is they don't believe it. They look in the mirror and they see themselves and they see all of these problems. You may be able to see bumps and different things that are wrong in your body. And you say, man, I don't see the power of God. And then you search your emotions and you don't feel the power of God. But I'm telling you, based on what the Word of God says, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is indwelling every single person here that has already been born again. It's not out there somewhere. And you've got to pray it down. See, so much of what the church is doing, they're trying to pray and get God, oh God, send your healing power, oh God, touch my life. And they're calling out to God to do something. But I could show you a verse for every one of those. It says, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, that by His stripes you were healed. It's already done. Why are you asking God to do what He's already done? It's because we look in the physical realm and we can see or feel something. And we think, well, if I have this, then that means God hadn't done anything. John chapter 4, verse 24 says, God is a spirit. And God moves in the spirit realm, and it comes from your spirit. You have to, first of all, believe that God has already put this power on the inside of you. It doesn't come from the outside in, it comes from the inside out. When you get born again, you have the same power in you that raised Christ from the dead. But see, the church, again, hasn't understood this, and they've even come up. I was raised in a denomination that said God did special miracles through the apostles. But we don't have apostles today, and so miracles don't happen today. And I was told those kind of things. But that's not what the scripture teaches. Let me turn over here to Acts chapter 3 and just share with you uh, from this example where a man was healed at the gate of the temple. This is in Acts chapter 3. And Peter and John were going into the temple at the hour of prayer. That's verse 1. And in verse 2, it says, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none." But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Man, this is a great miracle. And as you read about this in the next chapter, it says that this man was over 38 years old. And it says that he was lame from his mother's womb. So he had been lame for 38 years. And Peter just looked at him and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Did you know that that statement right there would get him kicked out of nearly any church in the body of Christ today? People sit there and say, Well, how dare him say that he has it? It's only Jesus that can heal. Of course, it's only Jesus that can heal, but his power isn't out there. It's in you. And you have the power of God. It's not your power, you aren't the source, but that power is in you. And one of the things that's really hurt the body of Christ is they come along and say, Well, you can't do anything. You know, they will take a scripture like John chapter 15 where Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. And so they will just take this and start amplifying on it and saying, we're nothing, we can't do nothing, we have nothing, we are nothing. And oh God, we are nothing, but would you please move? That's wrong. It is true that Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But the scripture says, he's never with, we're never without him. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. That his power dwells on the inside of us. If somehow or another you could just separate yourself from Jesus, well, then it's absolutely true that you can't heal a gnat. You can't do anything. You are not the power source. But that power has been placed on the inside of you. And Peter, when he said, Such as I have, give I unto thee. This is the reason that he was able to see this healing come to pass. Is because he didn't just pray and say, Oh, God. Would you stretch forth your hand from heaven and would you touch this person? It's not up to God whether people get healed. God has already provided healing for every person and he put this power on the inside of his people. Not just certain people, not just a few chosen people, but all of us have the supernatural, miraculous power of God on the inside of us. And the reason we aren't seeing more demonstration of God's power is because the whole church is saying, Oh God, I am nothing and I have nothing. They don't have this attitude. We don't know what we have in Christ. We aren't seeing who we are. We don't recognize that His power has been placed on the inside of us. And so we start our prayer by speaking unbelief. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, he said, you go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. He told you to do it. He told me to do it. He didn't pray. He didn't say pray and ask me to do it. He said, you heal the sick. You cast out devils. Again, somebody's thinking, so you're saying that you can heal the sick. No, I can't heal anybody, but God in me can, and he's always here. And I have to have this attitude that the apostle Peter had and know who I am and what I have in Christ. And I have to sit there and say, such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed. And you have to speak to these things. And instead, we are asking God to do it. You know, there I could go a million directions right here, but over in the 11th chapter of the book of Mark is a great example of how Jesus spoke to a fig tree, commanded that fig tree to die, and said, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And the next day when they walked into town, they saw this fig tree dried up from the roots. And the disciples were just amazed and said, Lord, the fig tree that you cursed is withered away. And he says... Have faith in God. In other words, he was like, guys, what's wrong with you? I've been here all this time. How come you haven't learned anything? And then he starts teaching them how faith works. He says, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith." I could minister on that for an hour, but let me just point out one thing. He said, whosoever will say to the mountain. Not say to God, oh God, please move my mountain. But he told you to speak to the mountain. The mountain in this situation is talking about your problem. If it's financial, if it's emotional, if it's physical, healing, whatever it is, whatever your problem is. He said, whosoever will say to that problem. Be removed and be thou cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart but believe that what you say comes to pass, then you will have whatsoever you say. Implied in there is that you have to understand the authority that God has given you. He told you to speak to the mountain. Most of us will say, oh God, please move this mountain. That's not what he told us to do. He told you to speak to the mountain. You know, some of you have heard this testimony, but it's a classic example of what I'm talking about. That there was a woman who had a a problem with her body. She had severe pain. The doctors told her that on a scale of 1 to 10, she was a constant 11. And that she was just having terrible pain. She had had it for seven years or so. And they said that she'd be dead two years before I met her. And she was in such severe pain, she just had to stay at home. She had uh, magnets that were taped all over her body and then she had a blanket that she had magnets sewn into and she wrapped herself in this blanket and somehow or another this electrical field or the uh, force field between these magnets eased her pain and that's the only way that she survived. So anyway, it's a long story, but she came over, I dealt with her, I prayed over her and I commanded this pain to leave and the first time in seven years she was totally pain free. She stood up, she took that blanket off, began to move around, and she had no pain. But then she says, well, I've got a stinging right here in in my back where the waist was. And she says, how come I've got a stinging? And I said, I didn't talk the stinging. You didn't tell me about stinging. You know, I prayed with a woman down here tonight who had pain, severe pain. And I commanded the pain to leave. And I said, so how are you? And she, she moved around. She says, the pain's all gone. She says, I'm stiff. But I don't have any pain. I said, you didn't tell me. You were stiff. I didn't talk to it." But anyway, I, I spoke to this woman, and I, I commanded her pain to leave, and then I, I commanded this stinging to leave, and she was totally free. So then I took about 20 minutes to teach her from Mark 11:23. I said, if the devil comes back, and if you ever have another pain, it doesn't mean that you weren't healed. It doesn't mean that... You lost your healing. It's just like the devil's knocking on the door, seeing if you'll let him in. He knows, I believe, what I say, but he's not sure about you. So he may knock on the door, and all you got to do is just respond the same way and speak to this problem. And I taught her about speaking to any pain or to any symptom. And so anyway, I spent about 20 minutes doing that. She got ready to leave, put her hand on the doorknob, and as she touched the doorknob, she looked back at me, and she says, The stinging is back. And I said, well, I've been teaching you what to do. So I said, I'm not going to pray. I'll agree with you. You pray. And so I joined hands with her. And this woman started praying. And this this is nearly word for word what she said. She said, Father, I thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. And if I was healed, I am healed. I claim my healing in Jesus' name. You know, most people say, man, right on. That won't get you healed. Some of you are thinking, what's wrong with that? She looked at me and I said, do you still have stinging? And she said, yes, why do I still have stinging? And I said, because you didn't do what the Word of God told you to do. And she says, well, what is it? And I said, he said, speak to the mountain. You talked to God and you said these great things that by the stripes of Jesus you're healed. You praised Him for it, but you didn't take your authority and speak to to the stinging. And she says, you mean I'm supposed to say stinging in the name of Jesus? And I said, exactly. And she says, I'll do it. And so I joined hands with her and she prayed and that's as far as she got. She said, she got mad and she said, stinging in the name of Jesus. And she stopped. She says, it's gone. Yeah. Hallelujah. And that was back in 2001, and that woman has been healed ever since. I see her every few years and stuff, and she's just doing great. But see, most people don't do what the Word says. They, they say, oh, God, would you please touch me? Would you, God, would you take this stinging away? That's not what God told you to do. God's already done His part. God sent His Son, and His Son took your stripes and bore your sicknesses and according to 1 Peter 2:24 by his stripes you were healed it's already done and then according to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now indwells every born again believer it's not out there somewhere it's in here it's not your power it's his power but it's in you And you have to believe that you've got it and take that authority and speak and say stinging or whatever it is that's your problem. Pain, joints, in the name of Jesus, I command you to respond and I resist you and command you to get out of my body. And there's not very many Christians, see, that are doing this. I travel a lot, and I hear prayers, and people will say, Oh, God, we are nothing, we have nothing, but we know that all things are possible to you. Would you please touch us? And it sounds good, but you'll not get well that way. You won't see the power of God. You aren't doing what he said. Again, I go back to Acts chapter 3. Peter, see, he didn't even pray a prayer. Did you know most people today think, This is terrible. This is terrible. He didn't even ask God to heal this man. He didn't pray. He didn't ask for anything. He just said, such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And then he reached down and grabbed him by the hand and yanked him up, pulled him up. There's not very many people, see, that take that approach. We we pray chicken prayers is what I call it. It's safe to pray, oh, God, I can't do anything, but would you please stretch forth your hand? And you just put it all off on God, and if nothing happens, well, then we come up, well, God works in mysterious ways. It must not have been God's will. Maybe God's teaching you something. Maybe God's going to wait longer. And that. Anybody can pray a prayer like that. But the Scripture, again, didn't tell us to pray for the sick. Now, there, it mentions praying for the sick. There's nothing wrong with praying for the sick. But we need to pray with authority and command the healing to come. And instead of doing that, we just ask like, God, we can't do anything. We're just waiting on you. We aren't waiting on God to touch you. God is waiting on you to open up your heart and receive. Peter said, such as I have. You know, this friend of mine was in Africa, and he held a meeting over there, and he started seeing people healed of all kinds of things. Blind eyes open, deaf ears open, people coming out of wheelchairs. And uh, he held this crusade, and there was tens of thousands of people there, and they saw a lot of miracles happen. The next day, he was walking through the marketplace. And, of course, in Africa, all of the people there were black. This was a white man. And so he stood out. Everybody recognized him. And plus, they had his posters plastered all over the city so people knew who he was. And as he was walking through the marketplace, people started running up to him and wanting to touch him. And his first reaction was to say, Oh, it's not me. It's not me. It's Jesus. Don't look at me. Look at Jesus. That's the way that a lot of people respond today. But before he could do that, Before he could even say anything, the Lord spoke to him and he said, Dave, he says, what would you have thought if when I was riding into Jerusalem on that donkey and they began to put the palm branches in the uh, way and put their garments down and cry out, Hosanna, glory to God, you know, praising Jesus as he entered into Jerusalem, what would you have thought if that donkey would have said, it's not me, it's not me? He said, nobody was praising the donkey. They were praising the one that was riding on the donkey. And he says, you're just the donkey. He says, let them touch you. They're after me in you. They see me in you. And you know what it really is? It's actually pride and arrogance when people sit here and say, oh, it's not me. It's not me. It's Jesus. Nobody thinks it's you except you. And you're sitting here, well, I'm just trying to be humble. No, you're just self-centered. You're just thinking everybody thinks you're awesome. Nobody thinks you're awesome but you. You know what? I know that people don't, it's not me. We were joking today at school that people thought I was the greatest cure for insomnia. They were saying I was so boring. You know, if I was God, I wouldn't have chosen me. I'm a hit from Texas. I know that it's not me, but God is on the inside of me and he's taught me some things. And as I share this, I'm seeing the Lord change people's lives. And I don't take when people... I have people come up and say, thank you for healing me. And I don't say, oh, it's not me, it's not me. I know what they're saying. They may have phrased it wrong, but they're praising Jesus. I can't heal anybody. But I tell you, our religion stinks today. Our religion has gotten us to where, man, we are just so afraid that we're going to say something and do all of this. I'm telling you, God lives on the inside of you, and you need to get rid of this stinking religion, and you just need to start finding out who you are, and you need to get bold and start taking your authority and commanding the devil and sickness and disease and poverty and things out of your life, and it will obey you. And religion has come along and said, but wait, this was because he was an apostle and he had an anointing that we don't have today. Let me just skip a few verses and go down over here in Acts chapter 3, after this man was healed, all of the people came running together. And in verse, uh, it says they were greatly wondering. In verse 12 it says, and when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, you man of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power, our holiness, we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. And killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. In verse 16, he made it very clear that it was the name of Jesus, through faith in his name, that made this man whole. Today, there's people saying, well, God doesn't do miracles today because the gift of the apostle and all of these things, the gifts of, miracle, the gifts of healing and the gift of miracles has passed away. Peter right here explained how this happened. He said it was the name of Jesus through faith in his name that produced this healing. We still have the name of Jesus today. And the name of Jesus is never going to pass away. There is no other name given among men whereby you must be saved is what it says. And I think Acts chapter 4 verse 12. The name of Jesus is still here and we still have faith in the name of Jesus. So even if you believe that the apostles have passed away and that the gifts of the Spirit have passed away and those things didn't work today, you could still see lame people like this healed through the name of Jesus and faith in His name. He says that's what caused this. And specifically, not just believing that God can do it, but believing that God gave us this power. And this power is on the inside of us. It does you no good to believe that God has power if you don't believe that He has made this power available to you. And this is where the disconnect is... In most people today, they would sit there and fight you over the fact that God is real and that God can do anything, but then they don't believe they can do anything. They have to approach God, in a sense, as a beggar and beg, Oh God, would you please heal me? And if He won't heal you, then call the prayer chain and get a hundred people to beg Him and put more pressure on Him until you eventually just make God give in. And if that won't work, then you fast and you pray. And right before you, you know, just expire and waste away, then surely that'll move God. None of that stuff is true. God has already done everything. He's already placed it on the inside of you. And the reason that we aren't seeing a greater manifestation of God's power isn't because we haven't begged God enough. It's not because we aren't pitiful enough. It's not because we don't have a need it's because people aren't believing the power that God has given us and we aren't using our authority. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If there is no resisting, he won't flee. And the word resist means to actively fight against. It doesn't mean that you say, Dear devil, please leave me alone. I prayed with a woman down here who had a lot of problems tonight, and she's just a nice lady. She's a sweet lady, and you know what? That's useless when it comes to fighting the devil. Some of you are sweet, even to the devil. You need to get angry. God gave you the capacity for anger, and it's not meant to be used against people. Anger was meant to be used against the devil. You ought to be mad at sickness, at poverty, at depression, at loneliness. You ought to get mad. You ought to get to where you won't tolerate that stuff. Look over here in Ephesians chapter 4, and let me share this passage with you. This is Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28. It says, Let not the. Uh, excuse me, that was the wrong verse. Verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Most people in here, I bet you, have been taught that when this says, Be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Most people have been taught to believe that this is talking about that God knows we're only human, we will get mad, we will mess up, and so God basically tolerates it just as long as you get it confessed every night before you go to bed that's not what this is saying this isn't saying that it's okay to be angry during daylight but you can't let the dark you know settle on your anger this is saying be angry and sin not there is a righteous type of anger there is a godly anger that isn't sin getting mad at people is not right the scripture says that we are not fighting flesh and blood but principalities powers rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places It's not right to be mad at people, but there is a righteous, a godly type of anger that isn't sin. And don't let the sun set on it. That means don't ever let it go to sleep. Don't ever let it get passive. You need to stir yourself up and you need to be angry. You need to recognize God gave you power. And the reason most of us tolerate things from the devil is because honestly we don't recognize the power and the authority that we have. And so we go to the Lord passively, like, oh God, would you please do something, and we don't feel that we have the ability. You in yourself, your natural physical self, can't overcome things, but the born again you has the same power living on the inside of you that indwelt Jesus, because it is Jesus living on the inside of you. If anybody says, well, I don't have that. Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, then you haven't been born again. If you have been born again, you have the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ living on the inside of you, and I guarantee you it's greater than any problem that you could ever come up against. You have this power, and we've got to start believing what God has given us, and then you resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We are saying, oh God, please get the devil off my back. Oh God, please take take this sickness away. Please take this poverty away, this depression, the emotional stuff. You do it. Over in 1 Samuel chapter 30, it talks about David, and David... You know, I'm teaching on that now on television. Some of you may have heard this. But David, after 13 years, having his wife taken away from him and given to another man, having his father-in-law try to kill him day and night, and having to run for his life, and just terrible, terrible things happening to him for 13 years. They came back to their city, and the Amalekites had come in and had burnt the city, had taken all the wives and children captive, And the men began to cry, it says, until they had no more power to weep. And then they spoke of killing David as if all of this was his fault. Did you know most of us right there, that would have been a great opportunity to be depressed. Most of us would have given in. Most of us would have felt justified. But the scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, I think it's verse 5, it says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself. He didn't pray and say, Oh God, please encourage me. Oh God, please touch me. Oh God, please move and do something. He began to encourage himself. Over in Jude chapter 1, verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, and then verse 21 says, Keep yourself in the love of God. If you were to diagram that, in a, you know, a sentence form and put a subject and a verb, object and stuff, then you would be the understood subject of that verse. You keep yourself in the love of God. I have people come to me all the time and say, would you please pray that God will just pour out His love in my life? No, I won't do it. Because you're implying that it's up to God whether you experience His love. The truth is, it says that God's already commended His love toward us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. In that He sent His Son and died for us. And then the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And then you put that together with those verses I just quoted in uh, Jude chapter 1. When you pray in tongues... You are building up yourself on your most holy faith and keeping yourself in the love of God. If you don't feel the love of God, it's not God that quit loving you. It's you that quit feeling it. And the reason your feelings don't feel it is because your feelings follow your thoughts, your focus. And if you're depressed, it's because you're thinking on depressing things. Thank you for that one. Come on. (laughs) That's true. Some of you are saying, oh no, I'm not thinking on any depressing things. I've just got a chemical imbalance. I've got all this other stuff. And we use a million and one excuses. The Bible says in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7, As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you are depressed, discouraged, defeated, fearful, you are thinking Wrong. Your emotions, everything in your life follows the way that you think. If you want to change the results, change the way you think by the Word of God. Start focusing on who you are in Christ. Find out the power and the authority that He's given you and you focus on that. And you start praying in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues and you build yourself up and you keep yourself in the love of God. You know, I have discouragement come against me the same as anybody else does. I have a lot of bad things happen to me. Just because you're in the ministry doesn't mean that you're immune. As a matter of fact, I think it's opposite. When you're in the ministry, you've got a huge target on you. And the devil's just constantly trying to tear you down. I have discouraging things come against me, but I have learned that God never quits loving me. I have learned that Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and 23 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Those things are in me constantly. They aren't in my mind all the time and in my emotions, but in my spirit. In the born-again part of me, I've always got the fruit of love, joy, peace, etc., And so if I don't feel those things, if instead I'm feeling discouragement and fear and worry, it's an indication to me that I am not thinking on who I am in Christ. I'm not keeping my mind stayed on the Lord because Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, The Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. If you don't have perfect peace, it's because your mind's not stayed upon him. Thank you for that thunderous silence. (laughs) Most people are thinking, oh, no, no, that's not true. It is true. It's what the Bible says. You've got love, joy, and peace. He will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed upon Him. When you pray in tongues, you build up yourself on your most holy faith and you keep yourself in the love of God. But see, we just swallowed the lies of this world and we believe, I can't control it. The reason that we are depressed and discouraged and fearful is because we are looking at this physical, natural world and thinking like a person that doesn't know Jesus. You aren't keeping your mind stayed on the Word of God or you would have perfect peace. I actually saw a bumper sticker one time that says, if you aren't depressed, you aren't paying attention. And you know, that's true if you factor Jesus out and factor out what the Word of God says. I mean, we live in a fallen world. Bad things are happening. People are killing each other. There's hate. There's rejection. There's bad things happening. And if nothing bad is happening to you right now, hang on. It will happen. We live in a fallen world. Something bad is going to happen to every one of us. And if you just thought about that, you would be crazy not to be depressed. But when you understand things from God's perspective, when you think on what the Word says, even if they kill you, you get to go be with Jesus. And if we were thinking on Jesus the way we should, Paul said, I'm in a strait between two. I have such a desire to depart and to be with Jesus, but it's more necessary for you that I stay here, so I'm going to stay here for you. If you were thinking the way that Paul thought, You would get to a place where if the doctor tells you you're going to die, it's all you could do to keep from just reaching up and kissing him. Man, we sing this song about when we all get to heaven. What a day that's going to be. And then the doctor tells you you're going and you start crying. Something's wrong with that. If we really kept our minds stayed on the Lord, you'd just reach a place where who cares? Man, it's not that big of a deal. If I win, I win. If I lose, I win. I can't lose for winning. That's a godly attitude. And if you don't have that attitude, if you're worried, it's because you are looking at the bad things in this world without putting them into the perspective of eternity. Look at this passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Boy, this is a powerful truth. This is the Apostle Paul speaking and he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and in verse 17 he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Before I even read the rest of this, let me just point out that Paul said he only had a light affliction. And I'm not going to take time to turn over there, but if you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he lists what his light afflictions are. It's being shipwrecked, stoned, and left for dead, beaten with whips, beaten with rods, hated, persecuted, just everything. Paul had more problems than any person in this room has. You may disagree with that, but I can guarantee you, if you were to turn over there and study the book of Acts and stuff, Paul had more problems, more things. He had a demonic messenger that was sent to buffet him everywhere he went. Paul had more problems than us, and yet he called it a light affliction. So if Paul's problems were bigger, and yet it was only a light affliction, how do you justify talking about how heavy your burden is? Here's a statement that could change your life, and that is that it's not what's happening to you that's really the problem. It's how you process it. You can put things into perspective and you can shrink whatever is happening to you down to where it's just no big deal if you are thinking spiritually. And see, he says this right here in verse 17. For our light affliction, here's here's one of the reasons why he was able to call all these terrible things that happened to him a light affliction. He says, which is but for a moment. See, if you put things into the light of eternity, then it's no big deal. Whatever you're suffering, it's no big deal. Somebody says, but I've been hurting for 20-something years. In the light of eternity, you are going to live forever and ever and ever. Billions and billions and billions of years in a perfect body that cannot be sick, that has no problems. And if you suffered for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years here on this earth in comparison to eternity, it's just for a moment. But some, some people, see, they just think, oh man, I've suffered with this forever. And they see themselves, they only think in this life. I believe that God wants us well in this life. But if you never got healed in this life, you're going to be healed forever in eternity. And there's no reason for you to be defeated and beat down and depressed and all these kind of things. I went to Charlotte, North Carolina and ministered in a business this man is a partner of mine and every time I go to Charlotte he invites me to minister in his business and so I went in and spoke and there was a woman there who had tried to kill herself the day before she had slit her wrist she was going through her fourth divorce and she was an alcoholic she was super poor just had a terrible terrible life and so she had tried to kill herself and she had just gotten out of the hospital that day and she came I ministered the Word of God, and then the boss of this place let me go back into a break room, and he told the people, he says, you can go back there and pray with him. And I got to lead like 10 or more of the people to the Lord. They got born again. And this one woman came back, and she just started crying and told me her situation, how sick she had been, how poor she had been. She was going through her fourth divorce, and she says, she says, I'm not a Christian like you and Chip, the owner of this business. But she says, I know God's real. And would you pray for me that this, you know, divorce wouldn't go through. That God would save my marriage. And I just stopped this woman and I said, let me make sure I understood this right. I said, you aren't saved. And you know you aren't saved. She says, that's right. I said, if you were to die right this moment, you would go to hell. And she said, yes. And I said, you would burn in hell for all of eternity. And she said, yes and I said and you want me to pray for your marriage and not pray for your salvation and she said yes (laughs) and I told this lady I said don't you realize that after you burned in hell for a thousand years you won't give a rip whether this marriage worked or not who cares about your marriage you need to get saved now I'm not saying that God does not care about marriage but I'm saying see in perspective to eternity We we focus on this marriage problem. We focus on this physical problem. We focus on this financial problem. And we just can't see anything but that. But Paul said it's just a light affliction because it's only for a moment. If you were to put things in the light of eternity, some of the things that you obsess about, that you worry about, you'll, you'll totally forget it. If you didn't keep a diary... The things that bothered you today, the traffic that you got stuck in, what somebody said to you something, did you know a year from now you wouldn't even be able to tell somebody what it was that kept you from rejoicing today? It's minor. Now, there are some people that have big problems, but still, compared to eternity, no problem is big. If you just were to put it in the light of eternity and say, is this problem going to change my eternity? I can guarantee you nothing. Is that big, and you could rejoice and say it's just a light affliction. I've just been suffering with something for 20 years, but man, compared to eternity, it's no big deal. And when you got that attitude and quit being overwhelmed by it, quit being fearful of it, quit focusing on it, and instead, if you started focusing on the Lord Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, your faith would abound and you'd find out that you'd get over these problems that much easier. Focusing on your problem amplifies the problem, makes the problem bigger. If you focus on Jesus, it makes Jesus bigger. You know, the scripture says, magnify the Lord. You can't really make God bigger. He is who He is, regardless of what you do. But in your perception, in your mind, you can make God bigger, or you can make Him smaller. Whatever you focus your attention on becomes big. Whatever you neglect becomes small. And most of us are more focused on our problems than we are Jesus, the answer to our problem. And because of that, there are people that are depressed and discouraged and fearful. We need to focus on Jesus, and specifically, we need to focus on Jesus in us and see us as being able to do all things. What I have, I'm going to give unto you. And you start taking your authority and speak to those things. So Paul here is saying, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporal, are temporary, but the things that cannot be seen are eternal. Here's the second thing he talks about. He wasn't looking at just the physical things. He wasn't just going by what the doctor says, what the banker said, what the lawyer said. He wasn't looking at the physical. He was looking at spiritual things. He says he was looking at things that can't be seen. If they can't be seen, then how can you see them? You can see with your heart. Brothers and sisters, there's more to life than what you can see. There are some of you tonight that look around and you can say, well, there's hundreds of people in here. But did you know there's also thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of angels in this place. I can say that based on the Word of God. Elijah. And Elisha had thousands of angels surrounding them and the scripture says that the New Testament believer what we have is greater than what any Old Testament man had so if one man had thousands of angels surrounding him then I've got tens of thousands of angels surrounding me and you've got tens of thousands of angels surrounding you this place is crowded there's things going on in the spiritual realm and some of you think, well I don't see them that doesn't mean that they aren't here That's just like somebody who says, I don't believe there's any television signals in this room. That doesn't mean they aren't here. It just means you aren't very smart. (laughs) They are here. And all you'd have to do is just put a TV set up here and plug it in, turn it on, tune it in. And when you start seeing and hearing the signal, it's not when the signal comes. There are signals in this room right now. You just can't see and hear them because they're in a different realm. Well, I can guarantee you there are angels in this place. There is God in this place. And on the inside of you, there is a spiritual you that most people don't know about. You know, if, you were, if we were to make contact and I talked to you on the phone and you said, I'm coming tonight, and I said, well, how will I know who you are? You could describe you to me. You could tell me if you're a man or a woman, whether you're short or tall. You could tell me whether you're a blonde or redhead or whatever it is. You could describe your physical person and you could probably describe your emotional state to me and say, well, I'm a real quiet person or man, I'm a real demonstrative person. You'll know me. I'm the one that's bouncing off the walls. You could describe your physical body and your emotional self to me, but most people don't know that there is a spiritual you on the inside. You don't know what you're like. We spend more time looking in the mirror and feeling our emotions than we do studying the Word of God. But I'm telling you, if you've been born again, God Almighty in all of His power lives on the inside of you. And He's not in there just as a little tiny baby. And you've got to grow Him up and mature Him. It says in 1 John 4, verse 17, as Jesus is... So are we in this world. It didn't say, so shall we be in the next world. So are we in this world. Some people say, well, I I know I'm in Christ, but I'm just a little baby. No, your spirit is full grown. The part of you that is growing, the part of you that's immature is your soul, your mind, your understanding. But your spirit is perfect. It's identical to Jesus. You've got the same power, the same anointing, the same faith. You've got everything that Jesus has. As Jesus is, so are you. In this world, not just in the one to come, but in this world, so are you. And the victory comes is when you quit begging God to do what he told you to do. When you quit saying, oh God, would you please stretch forth your hand and heal me. And instead you start thanking him. Father, thank you that by your stripes I was healed. And you put this power on the inside of me. And now in the name of Jesus, sickness, I speak to you and command you to get out of my body. And you start speaking to the mountain and you start doing this. This is when the power of God is released. You know what I'm trying to do tonight. Is I'm trying to take your attention off of a person. A person. And, get, and letting you see Jesus and see that Jesus lives on the inside of you. Every one of you, if you have been born again, have the supernatural power of God on the inside of you. And it's just a matter of you activating what you already have instead of trying to get God to give you something that you don't have. Man, that's huge. That's huge. I used to pray and beg God for more faith. And you know what? I found out that the scripture says in Romans chapter 12 verse 3 that God dealt to every man the measure of faith. Not a measure of faith, the measure of faith. There's only one measure. He didn't give me a lot of faith and you a little bit amount of faith. We all have the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Not faith in the Son of God, but I live by the faith of the Son of God. If Paul had the faith of the Son of God in him, and if all of us were dealt the measure of faith, then that means you and I have this same faith. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Simon Peter, an apostle and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, to them who have, that means it's already done, obtained like precious faith with us through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that word like, precious, means the identical faith. Peter is saying, you've got identical faith with him. Peter walked on the water. Peter raised Dorcas from the dead. Peter went and caught the first fish and took the money out of his mouth and paid his taxes. All of those miracles, he says, you have the same precious faith. If somebody says, well, man, I don't, I don't have it. Well, then just tear 2 Peter out of your Bible because it's written to people that have like, precious faith. It doesn't apply to you then. If you're going to accept any of the scriptures in 2 Peter, then you've got to accept that you have like precious faith with Him. Brothers and sisters, we don't have a problem as far as God hadn't given us enough. It's not a matter of begging God and getting a 100 people to beg God and put pressure on God and come and follow somebody around so that they can pray for you. The problem is right here between our ears. You don't know. What we have, we've got to renew our mind. God's people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. Man, we just celebrated the resurrection. Jesus is alive from the dead and he lives on the inside of you. You got raising from the dead power on the inside of you, but you have to activate it. And it doesn't activate it when you say, oh God, I am nothing and I have nothing. I can't do anything, but would you move? That doesn't release the power of God. What releases is it when you find out who you are in Christ. A scripture that says that is Philemon chapter 1 verse 6. And Paul was praying a prayer for Philemon. And he says, I pray that the communication of your faith would become effectual. That means it begins to work. By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. The way you get this faith working is to acknowledge what you have. There's a difference between acknowledging something and begging God for something. Acknowledging means you've already got it. You've already got it. That's what that book was about that I advertised tonight. With the dog chasing his tail. In the same way as a dog chases his tail and then catches it and finds out he already had it. You've already got healing. You've already got blessing. You've already got joy. You've already got peace. You just have to stir it up. You have to believe it. You have to acknowledge what you've already got. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is here to heal you, to set you free tonight. But many of us are looking for that power to come through a person, to come through something else. You need to look for it to come right through you. You need to start acknowledging that I have been healed by His stripes. That I do have the authority of God. And if I speak to this problem in the name of Jesus, that thing's going to leave me. And I'm going to get angry. I'm going to stir myself up and I'm going to get angry. I'm going to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm not going to leave this place anymore being the same as I was. I'm changing. As long as you can tolerate something, you will. But when you reach a place where I've had all of this, I'm going to take. In the name of Jesus, I'm not putting up with this. And you take his power and you speak to that problem. I guarantee you, Satan is a wimp. He will run from you when you stand up. He will run and flee. But I'm trying to stir you up. If I don't stir you up, you're going to settle to the bottom. I'm trying to stir you up. God's on the inside of you. And if you're, if you're weary, if you're discouraged, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, look unto Jesus lest you be weary and faint in your mind. If you're weary, if you're depressed, if you're discouraged, if you're fearful, if you're any of those things, it's because you aren't looking unto Jesus. You're looking at your problems. You're looking at all of these things. You're thinking negatively about the future instead of seeing your future the way that it really is. The truth is, because of Jesus and what He's done for us, our future is so bright you've got to squint to look at it. Man, it's awesome. God loves us. And so you've got to focus on these things. You need to see you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm telling you, God loves you. Jesus rose from the dead, and he put this raising from the dead power on the inside of every believer in here. It says over in Matthew chapter 11, he said, John the Baptist is the greatest man that was ever born under the Old Covenant. That means he was greater than Moses, greater than Elijah, greater than Elisha, greater than David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, anybody you want to mention. John the Baptist, Jesus said, Matthew chapter 11 was the greatest man that was ever born in the Old Testament. Nevertheless, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. If you think you are the puniest, sorriest saint that has ever been born again, if you think you're the sorriest Christian in this room, you're greater than John the Baptist, therefore greater than Moses greater than Elijah, greater than any of this? Do you think Moses, do you think Elijah, do you think Daniel would be responding the way you are? And yet the Bible says that what you have is greater than any of them. Why do we approach things so impotent? Why do we approach it as, oh God, I'm nothing, would you please do something? It's because of unbelief. It may be unbelief that came through ignorance. Maybe you haven't heard it, but you've heard the truth tonight. You can't claim ignorance anymore. But you can't approach things passively. You've got to find out who you are and start focusing and standing in the Spirit, standing in who you are in Christ instead of who you aren't in your natural self. You know, in my natural self, there's probably nearly every person in here is more talented than I am. I can't hardly do anything I had some guys in my work fix my truck over things that were so simple you you would have thought anybody with half a brain could have figured this out and I couldn't figure it out you know what in the natural I'm just not the sharpest knife in the drawer but I found out who I am in the spirit and I know who I am in the spirit and because of it I have boldness and confidence I'm telling you, you need to find out who you are in the Spirit and start standing up and resisting things. And I want to go back specifically to something I said tonight, that, you know, we use the Holy Spirit to encourage ourselves. It says, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourself in the love of God. Jude chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is where the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. You need the power of the Holy Spirit and you need this gift of speaking in tongues. Without it, it's like charging hell with a water pistol. You just don't have enough power. Jesus said, you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 verse 4, they spoke with other tongues. And I know that there's people in here tonight who don't have this baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's multiple things that happen. You can't encourage yourself in the Lord the way that the Scripture talked about there. You can't build yourself up on your most holy faith. Also, when the Holy Spirit has come, Jesus said he would teach you all things and lead you into all truth and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've spoken unto you. John 14, 26. The baptism of the Holy Spirit will make your understanding of the Word of God just come alive. The Holy Spirit's the one that wrote the Bible. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the author of the Bible. He will explain it to you. When I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the next day it's like every time I read a scripture, it was God just yelling at me. The Bible came alive. And there's some of you that when you read the Bible, it doesn't do that for you. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible for you to retain what I've talked about tonight because I've been talking about spiritual things. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. You have to have the Holy Spirit to give you a spiritual understanding of things. You'll lose this if you don't have this baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I hadn't got time to teach on all of this tonight, but I'm telling you, some people think they got all of this when they got saved. And yet the Bibles, the, the uh, disciples confessed Jesus as their Lord. They were born again, and yet he told them to wait until the Holy Spirit was sent on the day of Pentecost. It was a separate experience from their born-again experience. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit with you and working with you. But there's a difference in being baptized in the Holy Spirit and just being born again. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit... And there's many ways you could tell that. But one of them is you need to speak in tongues. When you speak in tongues, that is a function of the Holy Spirit. When the people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, they spoke in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues... You need to receive this gift. And I tell you, it'll make the Word of God come alive. You can build up yourself on your most holy faith. You can keep yourself in the love of God. And it's just essential. You need this. It's really, really important. So I had not got time to teach everything on it. But I'm telling you, it's my experience that the baptism of the Holy Spirit will change you. It will transform you. When I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues, it changed me outwardly more than being born again did. I'm not saying that it's more important. Being born again is absolutely essential. It's the first thing. But that's inward. When the Holy Spirit comes, it takes all of the stuff that God put on the inside of you and it begins to start make it come alive on the outside of you. Is there anybody in here tonight that would just say, Man, I don't think I have that. And if you, if you have the Holy Spirit, you know you got it. It's not something you have to wonder about. If there's somebody saying here, I'm not sure that I have that, but I'd like to receive it. I'd like you to pray for me that I could receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. If that's you, I'd like you to raise your hand, and I want to pray with you. Man, there's hands all over the place. Be bold with this. I'm not asking you to join a church. I had not got a church for you to join. We're renting this facility tonight. Somebody says, what are you going to do to me? I'm going to give you a free book. Amen. you got nothing to lose. you got everything to gain. If you don't speak in tongues, you ought to have your hand in the air and you ought to receive this gift. Anybody else? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Man, that's awesome. You know, if you, didn't, if you raised your hand tonight, or even if you didn't raise your hand but you were supposed to, I'd like to ask you to get up out of your seat and come stand right down here. And we're going to pray for you and we're going to help you to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Praise God. Just wherever you are, get up out of your seat and come forward and we're going to pray with you and help you to receive. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible we invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111 or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.